Bis dahin, ich hoffe, dass ihr viel gehalten habt und kaum hungrig habt. Amen. Das geht nur egal. Good morning, Pastor Michael. Yeah, excited to be with you today. Uh, we're going to teach from the book of Hebrews this morning, chapter 5, and we're going to turn there in your Bibles. Get to teach in Hebrews this week, and then next week, then uh, the week after that's our Mission Sunday, and followed by our February of Becoming, and then we'll be back in, the, back in Hebrews second week of March as God allows Yeah, celebrating uh, Rich Babcock has moved from Dan Schutz Hospital to a long-term recovery center in Loveland. That's a good sign. Yeah. 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 Well, here, a dear pastor in our church she wrote to me and said, you never thought you could get so excited about hearing that someone would <laughs> <laughs> I like that a lot. That's good. That is excellent. Um, also, uh, Congratulations, James and Stacy. Also, they have another baby boy this weekend. <laughs> and, uh, if you don't know why there's a few people laughing about that, it's because that's boy number four. Okay. Yeah, number four, they've just begun. <laughs> that's awesome. Awesome. So, just starting off with a question as we begin to approach our, our text this morning. And I had a little fun with this, so maybe you'll be tweaked with, with something I didn't express here, and, and maybe you can share it in just a moment. But how would you describe your spiritual appetite? We were saying about it just now. I'll wait for you. I'm hungry, right? How would you describe your spiritual appetite? So I just wrote down a few expressions that maybe describe you and had to consider what describes me. Um, you know, I just like to nibble here and there a little bit. Maybe that's you. I tend to pick and choose the parts I like. Just give me sugar, please, no vegetables. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a good meal now and then. Well, that's probably enough for anyone. Yeah. Um, I like a steady diet of the right stuff. Or the one we sang about just a moment ago, my soul is famished for more of me. I'm hungry. Yeah. Did anybody like to add to those? At all, did you think of something? <coughs> My list is good now? Okay. Where are you? Yeah. All right. Well, uh, it might surprise you to learn that this preacher likes a hungry audience, hungry congregation, right? <laughs> I was at a uh, leadership conference a few years ago where uh, we were taught three characteristics of an amazing team player, and those characteristics were hungry, humble, and smart. I just grabbed a hold of those and become a part of, of defining me. Hungry, humble, and smart. And, and, and hungry means, you know, I'm, I'm ready. I, I really am at a point where I, where I want to be challenged. I, I want to grow. I'll take all that I can get. And, and the reason that these, you know, oftentimes people apologize to me because they fall asleep in church, you know, and stuff, and they don't realize I'm not focused on closed eyes, I'm focused on the open eyes, you know, because that's, that's what feeds you as you go, I mean, the Lord feeds you, but to know people are receiving, it's, it's, it's very encouraging, so people who maybe have their Bibles open, or their, or their Bible apps on their phone, or their, 
they're taking notes or, or they're kind of screwed to the edge of their seat. They're just saying, I want everything I can get. This is a hungry, spiritual demeanor. I heard a story about a preacher a while back who went out doing errands. It was almost lunchtime, but he thought he needed to get this pastoral call in before he could take time to eat. So he makes the visit, and as he's sitting in the chair talking to this older gentleman, he notices this bowl of peanuts sitting on the coffee table. And, you know, my little ass, he asked, do you mind if I have a few peanuts? And the old guy said, not at all. Help yourself. And so their conversation continued for a little while, and, and finally the, the preacher got up to leave, and he realized he hadn't just eaten a few of the peanuts, he wiped out the whole bowl. And, and so he apologized, I'm so sorry, I, I wiped your peanuts out, I must have been a whole lot hungrier than I realized. Well, that old guy said, oh, it's okay, ever since I lost my teeth, all I can do is suck the chocolate off of them. <laughs> Lee, you got one from the floor, I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah. So the old guy, you know, he was into this soft, soft palate stuff, the milk, milk chocolate, we could say, and, and he left the solid stuff for the, the preacher who I imagine is gagging at this point, right? Um, but this stuff about soft palate versus a solid diet, it's, it's really in our, our text today. Babies need milk, but grown-ups need to move on to the solid stuff. So again, here's that question. What's your, what's your appetite? What, what's, what's your spiritual diet? In fact, our, our text seems to call us to consider three um, things that are important in your spiritual development. Are you getting the right diet? Are you building on the right foundation? And is the right kind of fruit coming forth out of that, coming forth out of your life? So let's Look at these one at a time. First thing to maximize your growth, you need the right diet. So let's start here, verse 11, chapter 5, Hebrews, where he says, We have much to say to you about this. Okay, so Jesus, our high priest, who, who now with great compassion gives us direct access to the Father. Come, come fully, come, come freely. That's what he's saying. We have much to say to you about this. But it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. And I, after that, I just had a laugh right there because, you know, in Hebrews, there's a lot about the temple and the priests, and we've been talking about priests and the roles and stuff. And I know how congregations are, and then, you know, kind of holy as, oh, no, not priests again. <laughs> and so we want to honor the text, and, and yet you realize that, just like Paul says, we have much to say to you about this, but, but we better not. You know, and so he moves on, and I just have a laugh and say, good, okay, so so this is exciting, this is fun. What's what's next? And, and it's just part of teaching the word, right? So verse 12, in fact, by this time, you oh excuse me. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word. All over again. Now here it is. Watch. You need milk. You know, you need the chocolate, soft palate stuff. Not solid food. Exclamation mark. Verse 13. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted 
with the teaching about righteousness, what solitude is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Oh, there's just a whole bunch here that we need to talk about. Please notice the word, by this time, you ought to be teaching. Okay, so now, let's just be really honest here. I mean, there are, there are many in the church today who are content just to drink milk. But, but the scripture is clear here that we need to move past the bottle to the solid stuff. Early on in the ministry, one of my mentors used to talk quite, quite a bit about three levels of spiritual maturity. And generally speaking, these play out to be quite valuable. Babies in Christ need to be spoon fed. Okay, and in this case, we're talking about no. And, and he used to say, it's, it's amazing what preachers will do. The extent preachers will go to to try to get spiritual babies to eat. You know? Uh, here comes the airplane, open the hangar door. Right? Here comes the here comes the train, open the line. Do, 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 do. Right? Yeah, I mean, get, get the picture. And, and, and just like a baby, less food gets digested, and more of the food ends up being splashed all over the walls and floor. Yeah. In fact, I have visited homes where there's actual baby-designated feeding areas. Right? Tarps on the walls, tarps on the floor. Dogs standing guard for opportunity. Yeah, we see your heads going like this, uh-huh. Yeah, you know, that's my house. That was my house. And we're thinking about Stacy, right? And four boys, right? Here comes Titus. Titus sounds like a good, splashy child, doesn't he? Yeah, we can imagine the mess. Every parent is forward to the day that the, that the child will move on to stage two. There comes a time when he must learn to be himself. It's, it's just the natural progression of, of things. Yet, isn't it true that as we've been talking about this morning, most people in the Western church, Western world church today, get stuck at stage one, being student feed, feed me, feed me, I'm not getting fed, what's the matter with that preacher, they demand. And, and you ever move on to stage two, which is about feeding themselves, which would say far fewer still move on to stage three, which has already been emphasized, feeding others. But let's not just blame the people, because so much of it has to do with the way we do church today. We've all heard Jesus' command, be my sheep, and so we feel that it's our entitlement. You need to feed me, but we miss out on the fact that all the feeding has to do with the sending. Pray to the Lord the hearts to send forth workers into his harvest field. And, and I was suddenly to hear Paige saying, how, how could my project? He said, man, this church is always asking, asking, asking. You know why? It's because this church has done so much sending. <laughs> and it's awesome. It is awesome. And, and no one needs to get under guilt because this is God's deal, right, Paige? Yeah, God supplies. Can we give glory to God for calling and sending? Yeah, <laughs> So our text is clear to anyone who will hear it. By this time, you ought to be teachers, but you're still stuck on the bottle. 
And so here's the question again. What's your spiritual appetite? In the church right now, there's a whole lot of talk about the necessity of identifying your, your target audience. Who's your target audience? And, and, and there have been those who come to our church that, that think that I need to soften the message. You know, you need to teach Bible-like on Sunday mornings, and then that way those who want to can go to a life group where they can dig in deeper, you know, connect outside of church and let them go deeper here. Uh, Carl Waldeck, one of our heroes, has come to our church and passed on. Great hero, older guy, wonderful man. Uh, he used to talk about the fact that groups of people tend to uh, dissolve to the lowest common denominator. You know, like that's the appeal. Appeal to the lowest common denominator. Now, frankly, I'd like to think that I'm open to adjusting in order to be more effective. You know, I pray, God, let the word go forth clearly so people could respond. But for me to adjust and 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 and, and try to, to to satisfy someone who may or may not be seeking, that, that's not being true to my calling. So so who's our target audience? Well, frankly, when it comes to this whole business of worship. The target audience is God himself. And it's really about not what someone else is bringing to us, but it's about what we're bringing to God. And our hope is that our worship corporately will just go up as a fragrant offering that will just, just give pleasure to our God and Creator. So in worship, our target audience is God himself. But when it comes to teaching, again, I hope our target audience is to point to him. It's, it's all about him, all about his glory. But also, and, and, and a key mentor in our church spoke these words recently, that we want to teach in such a way as to allow the Holy Spirit to move on the hearts of anyone who will honestly come seeking him. See, that, that's really our audience right there. Not those that we hope will seek him or that we want to seek him, but those in whom God's already working in this desire, this appetite. I want to know. I want to understand. I want to know him. And, and by the way, it's no one's job just to try to figure out who those people are, but we know that God is moving and working and we're believing God will do his work if we're faithful to what he's the major distinguishing factor in this scripture about someone who remains a baby and someone who grows up appears to be in, in two places. First is verse 14, people who have trained themselves. So what's this about? This is about spiritual disciplines. Wow, your part in the deal. Uh, Aaron presented that sheet about spiritual growth this year, training ourselves. And that should be part of your 2018 Training yourself to distinguish between that which is good and that which is evil, and there really is that distinction. And we need to understand what that is. It's about a discerning spirit, developing discerning spirit. And then verse 12, those who are faithful to teaching others. And the reason that becomes solid food is because you get stuck in your spiritual growth, but when now you're actively teaching others, the word begins to come alive in you like it never has been. Someone said a long time ago, the teacher learns twice. Thank you, Polly. Thank you for that beautiful expression that you see. You're on the edge of your seat. You're hungry. Yeah. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. So, how's your diet? 
And he's stuck on now. Hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. It's time to move on to the solid stuff. What you die. The second one is, are you building on the right foundation? Now, this takes us to, to chapter 6. And chapter 6 begins with six essential doctrines of Christ. Do you hear that? Six essential doctrines of Christ. But also hear this. Those six essential doctrines are the milk that he's talking about. And when he calls us to move beyond these things, he's not saying abandon them. No way. He's going to talk about that in just a moment. But what he's saying is you don't have to keep learning these things all over again. Instead, begin building on them. They are the foundation. Okay, so watch this. This is chapter 6, verse 1. Here we go. Okay, moving past the mouth of the solid food. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation. Why? It's been laid. It's been laid in your life, right? Okay, so here we go. Of, number one, repentance from acts that lead to death. And of two, faith in God. Moving on to verse two. Third one, instructions about cleansing rites, which is baptisms. And I want you to know baptisms is plural. So it's talking about a baptism of repentance, publicly confessing faith in Christ, and a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's, that's plural there. Four, the laying on of hands. Five, the resurrection of the dead. And six, eternal judgment. Then he says, and God forbidding, we will do so. What's, what's that mean? It means we need this foundation. But then he shifts. He gets sidetracked here. And he begins to talk about people who maybe once had that foundation, but have walked away from it. They've abandoned it. And we have a word for this. It's the word apostasy. Those who really think they're doing God's work, but literally are working in opposition to God because they've forgotten the milk. They've forgotten the foundation. And suddenly they've begun to be about something else. And you better believe this is real. It's happening in the church everywhere. And the world is pressuring the church to give up the foundation and move on to other things in order to be relative. Oh my goodness. So watch this, verse 4. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, and who have shared in the Holy Spirit, and who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God, and the powers of the coming age, and have fallen away, and be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again, and subjecting him to public disgrace. The, the language is, is really clear here. It's describing people who know better, but have deliberately and decisively abandoned the things of Jesus, abandoned the foundation, abandoned the, the knock. And it, it's not a matter of, of simply blowing it or falling into some sin. This is about literally denouncing Jesus and his supremacy and his centrality and the things he's about and the things that we need to be about. Talk about relative. Oh man, in our politically 
correct day. I mean, the general message to the church is abandon the narrow way, which is really get rid of Jesus so that we can all get along and embrace everything people choose to do, recognizing that all roads, as if it's a broad way, what did Jesus say? Broad is the way that leads to destruction, narrow the way to life, you know, but, but we need to be doing this. All roads lead to God, and so in doing so, what we end up saying is that Jesus Christ became a man, stepped on his throne, and went to the cross for nothing. That's what's, that's what's happening. So it's happening. Pause. Chuck Charter named Jared Hudson was driving through Spencerville, Indiana. He's blindly following his GPS system, but he gave him a route that was the wrong path, taking him over the 140-year-old Spencerville covered bridge. The bridge only had a clearance of 12 feet, 6 inches, but it didn't matter because he was following his GPS and couldn't care less about what the sign said. Yeah, he made it across all right, but uh, by the time he was through, the bridge had sustained $300,000 in damage, not to mention what had happened to his truck, right? Well, Hudson was immediately arrested. He was booked. Ultimately, he pled guilty to a criminal mischief class D felony and served 180 days in jail. And, and I share this with you because, friends, not all roads are the right roads. And we better get clarity as to where we're getting our marching orders, what we're, we're following, because we need to recognize that four directions can get us into deep trouble. Jesus Christ has given us the way. He is the way. And many messages, I don't care what they say, but there's many messages saying, no, 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 There's something else. There's something else. The good news is, God has made a way. Why would we want to reject it? Why would we want to participate in nailing Jesus? Let's say, again, it is impossible for such people if they fall away to be brought back. Here's what it's saying here. When we reject Jesus on any love or any piece of what Jesus is about, we reject God's reaching out in an effort to help us. To give us hope. To give us purpose. And to give us love. The text says, to bear the loss, we are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. I, I don't want to be there, but I realize if anybody's vulnerable, it has to be me. And so the application is are you holding on to truth, or is there compromise in your life, recognizing that compromise can get you into deep trouble? Yeah. What signals are you getting? What's the foundation you're building? So, right? Food, right appetite, and the right foundation. Okay, so this takes us to the third one. Are you bearing the right kind of fruit? And I really believe that this is where the text is wanting to bring us today. And maybe it's just because of the way God's speaking to me right now. But it's about assessing this fruit 
Not that we're going to assess anybody else's fruit, but to consider ourselves, me considering myself. So look at verse 7. Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful for those for whom it is farmed, receive the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. So get the picture here. You are the land. God is the farmer. God is continually pouring out blessing. Okay, now verse 7 gives us some questions to determine whether or not the right fruit is coming forth in our lives. Can be summed up this way. Are you producing a useful crop? Is it coming forth out of your life or something less, like thorns and thistles? And, and that crop can be identified in, in two ways, but you need one in order to have the other so the two work together. Okay, so the first one is the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Then out of that, the greater work, because of the greater work God is doing in you, are you seeing other people desiring him and growing in him? The little boy went over to the preacher's house. The preacher was out doing some carpentry work in the garage, and that little guy just stood there staring, watching, you know, for quite a while. And finally the preacher stopped what he was doing and said, Hey, son, what are you up to? You trying to learn how to build something? The little boy said, No, I'm just waiting to hear what the preacher says when he hits his thumb with the hammer. <laughs> I don't like that story very well. <laughs> I have to say that even some of my dearest mentors would now and then, right? Yeah, they're just real people. They're real people. We ask ourselves, what's coming out of our lives? And in that, what's your spiritual diet? What's your foundation? And what is your story? What's your story? And I've been around for, for, for long enough now in, in ministry to realize that there are several ways people can respond. I mean, there might be people sitting there right now just rejecting everything I've said. And that's, that's where we are. And so I'm not here to try to, to, to guilt you or judge you or anything. But where you are is where you are. But I know that there are other people here this morning that are beating yourselves up because you're reminded again of how you don't measure up. And so I'm just going to join you and say, take comfort. Okay? We're all messed up. Yeah, and if, and if that wasn't so, Jesus would have never gone to the cross. Okay? So you just keep coming. You just keep coming. You just keep coming to Jesus. But there are others of you, and man, this is part of who I am too, that are thinking, you know what? I just need to fuck. Uh, and do better. Where's that sheep Aaron gave me? Man, I'm going to be the spiritual man this year. Everybody just watched. You're, you're determined. And, and honestly, that, that may be noble, but can we hear kind of what we've been saying about today? This is about greater dependence and greater connection to Him. You know, surrender rather than determining. It's about God being work on in your life. There's a, there's a third group of you here that are hearing the word and you're being affirmed in all of this today. And I just want to celebrate, praise God. If that's real and that's right, then you just be affirmed. What all of this is about, all of this is about that vertical connection to him that has horizontal effects. God working in you 
in order that it might be worked out for you. And so what's calling you to God is pouring out blessings. Receive it. Receive it gladly. And if, if your surface has become so hard, you call that fallow ground, then ask God, what do you need to do to go rent a road fill, right, at, at Empal, and fill up the 